Uh, it's hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned fire. You mentioned fire. So we gotta expect it's gonna be hot. This is Shannon and Kristen, and we're better known as the Muggle Twins. Twins. Yay! Woo-hoo. This month, we're taking you to Vermont. Vermont. I don't know about you, but when I think of Vermont, the first thing I think of is snow activities. And for someone who doesn't ski or snowboard, I was curious what else we could experience that still feels true to Vermont. And that is when we discovered Robert de Grenier. Robert de Grenier is a well-known sculptor, artist, and designer working primarily in glass, metal, and marble. He's located in Townshend, Vermont, where he has given people an opportunity to experience firsthand the thrill of working with molten glass and create unique work of art from start to finish at his studio. He also has tours of his maple bush and sugar house to taste his small batch of award-winning Taft Hill Farm maple syrup. Today, we will be discussing his amazing career and how you can experience these activities in Vermont with Robert. You've had some amazing highlights in your career, such as designing awards for movie, music, and theater industries. Some might recognize your work from award shows such as the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice, yes, the iconic blimp, MTV Movie, and CMT Music Awards. But before all these big projects, how did you get into glassblowing? So my career started in glassblowing actually when I was quite young. Um... I was 12 years old. Um, We were up in Canada at the Montreal Expo in 1967. And there was a pavilion that drew me. I had no idea why, um, but I had to go in. And I made my parents wait um, three and a half hours in the freezing cold October (laughs) weather. And uh, and luckily they they allowed me that that temper, temper tantrum that I had. Uh, we got inside yeah. and it was um, the Czechoslovakian pavilion and it featured um, really the world of glass in all forms, incredibly uh, large sculptures, um, glass blowing demos, films, uh, architecture, science. It was just, it was glass as a material that I had never seen and really realized before that it could be used in so many ways, uh, including with the creative process. So um, fast forward when I went to you know, started to look at art schools. Um, There were three schools that I looked at that had glass departments. One was Rhode Island School of Design. Another was uh, Philadelphia College of Art. And the last was the Kansas um, Art Institute. And uh, after visiting them all, I decided to go to Philadelphia College of Art. And and of course, they had a glass department. They told me, yes, you could take glass classes. But when I got there freshman year, I heard a different story <laughs> and they said, no, it's only, it's, it, it's only for seniors. You know, you can't, you can't take a class as a freshman. It's like, that's why I came to the school. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so oh, no. I went to the glass class two, two mornings a week at eight o'clock, sat in the corner, you know, told the professor, this is why I came here. Do he mind if I just watch? Uh, and he said, no. And, and, uh, and so after four or five weeks, you know, seniors were involved in doing other things. They really weren't interested in glass. And he goes, just bring me the paperwork. I'll get you into the class. Oh. So the, the, the career oh. sort of started, um, you know, because of my persistence at, at Philadelphia College of Art. And from there, I went to Hornsey College of Art in London and finished my undergraduate degree and postgraduate degree. And then I did my master's in, in sculpture, mainly in glass uh, at Illinois State University. Um, and then moved to New York City to become famous. 
And you did. I, I like. I love your tenacity. Yeah. For kind of being like, this is what I came here for, and like your passion for it just yeah. like kept you going as a freshman, even in a senior class. Yeah. And I, like I don't think teacher. I would do that. I'm so impressed. I feel like as a freshman, like we were also art students, yeah. and I just feel like oh, I'd feel so nervous to be in front of like my seniors. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being like, I want to be here. But Good you had you. a calling. That's what it sounded yeah. like. That's what I love about that yeah, too. Exactly. I love asking fellow. Yeah, I just yeah. love asking fellow artists like yourself. It's like. What was that aha moment that mm-hmm. really changed your life? And I just, I like like how you describe it that it was just like you know have a, have a mini te- temper tantrum in yeah, its own way because I need because I needed to see it. And the minute that you saw it, it that was your aha moment. Yeah. And to see how your career has unfolded is incredible. I know. And one of my favorite projects that stood out to me was your mobile homes. You've been creating crab habitats and glass oh, shells for hermit crabs to live in for more than. 20 years you imitate the exact like interior shape of a crab's body in a hand-blown glass shell can you tell us how this project came about yeah well that was actually another aha moment <laughs> um we were, on, <laughs> we were on the beach in abaco down in the bahamas and um we had just come come off the beach swimming and there was something crawling on my uh my blanket and i don't i don't really like creepy crawly things very much um, especially snakes, but um, it was like, what is that? It just, it, I had never seen anything like it before. And it was a hermit crab living in the broken neck of a Coke bottle. And it was like, what the heck? Here we go to the beach. We collect all the beautiful shells. We don't realize that it's the secondary home for the hermit crabs. Um, and, you know, we leave our trash and that's all they have to live in. And so that was just sort of, wow, this is like crazy. And it's like, I can make a better home than a ne- broken neck of a Coke bottle. So I got back to the studio and um, that was that was something that um, was just like it, in my head and I started playing around with it. And um, mm. it was really difficult. Um, it was really difficult to create the spiral to really imitate the, the, mm. the, the crab itself, uh, the shape of the shell. And so what happened, um, six months, finally I got it. I had a hermit crabs when I was a kid and um, mm-hmm. put, put put the two together and they didn't move in <laughs> and so it was like, <laughs> it was like what, what oh, is, this is crazy what am i doing wrong so i cut open a real shell without a mollusk in it just to kind of see if the interior mm-hmm. cavity if it was textured or not textured or what what was i missing and after i cut it open and laid it next to a cut open glass shell i realized i was blowing the spiral in the wrong direction so 97% of um, hermit crabs have a right-handed spiral, 3% of a left-handed spiral. And making the piece, it was very natural just to make it with a left-handed spiral, not a right-handed spiral. Mm-hmm. And so I changed the way and put it in the tank and voila, they, they moved right in. Um, yeah, so so it, it grew from there because it was sort of an environmental statement. I had an sh- exhibit in New York City um, at a gallery in the in, in the Guggenheim that was downtown, filled the gallery with sand and had a couple hundred uh, hermit crabs running around. And, um, you know, just sort of as an educational thing, it's like, wow, this, this is crazy. And the intersection of science and art has always fascinated me. And then everyone wanted to buy one for their pet hermit crab. I didn't realize there were so many pet hermit crab op- <laughs> owners in New York City. <laughs> and, uh, and so we started selling them. And then I made a YouTube video yeah, if you Google uh, glass hermit crab shell, I've got like 5 million views on it. Um, and um, and it kind of took off and aquarium started getting in touch with me. 
and we're in aquariums uh, all over the world now. I just sent some some shells to the Vancouver Aquarium, but we're in England, we're in Japan, um, all, all over the world, and it's 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 great because um, you know we always wanted to know what that crab looked like without it with, without its shell on, because rarely you ever see that unless it's dead. And here you can fully yeah. observe what's going on, and um, and that has led me to um, some amazing artists in residencies. Um, out at the Isles of Shoals in um, off the coast of uh, Portsmouth, um, teaching marine biology students from Cornell, Dartmouth, and UNH uh, how to think creatively and 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 get inspired by by marine biology. Um, it's also I've worked with a, a scientist up at Dartmouth uh, who's been studying uh, the sounds hermit crabs make, um, and he believes that the language is actually more sophisticated than primates, and he. Uh, it's really difficult to record a sound in a calcified shell. You can't digitally record it, but a glass shell, you can you can pick up the exact sound that it's making. And it's making sounds by scratching the very tip end of its tail on the shell. Um, and it will call like, you know, there's a sound that will call other hermit crabs when I'm going to change my shell and somebody can use that shell yeah. or when there's a plethora of food. And, and so he's uh, because of my clear glass shells, He's been able to really devise um, uh, advancement in his thesis about about communication in hermit crab. So it's led me down many roads. So it's it's something that art and science has really um, intersected in a way that um, that um, I'm just fascinated with as an artist. Yeah. Oh my god, that's, that's amazing! That's incredible. That was actually the biggest reason yeah. that was one of our favorite projects. Obviously, as yeah. you know, it just like trickled down to so many amazing opportunities for you. But the intersection you said it beautifully is with science and art. The yeah. creative thinking you have to kind of you know overcome with certain obstacles. Like even yeah. I like like in the beginning how you say that you know you didn't understand why they weren't growing in your shell, and then you like you know creatively cut open one and realize it was the opposite direction. Would, like what an what an innovative way to like think about like what is going on? What's the problem? How can yeah. I solve this? And how to how it honestly opens so many other doors for other scientists to kind of yeah. also realize like other amazing opportunities that like even like you said, you just the can't, language. The language like, that's like, that blows that? my mind. I I honestly I can't I gotta read that's that wild. I gotta read the article that's more did you say more intense than a primate or like more their, yes. their language, I guess? Yep. Yeah. That's yep. incredible. That That's... is that is wild. And I'm actually curious that you mentioned how you had a show in the Guggenheim and with your uh, the hermit crabs. Did you find any like left ones that didn't go into your shells and those were like the little percentages? Because I know you said there's only like, was it like 3% are left and then the rest are right? So I'm curious if any of them didn't go in or was it like totally no, they, successful? Yeah, the, 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 they were totally successful, yeah. So. Oh, that's, my God. that's so cool! <laughs> I would have loved to have gone to that show. That would have been yeah, so cool. That's... I love the Guggenheim. We were New Yorkers, so obviously we yeah. go there. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, it's a great place. That's honestly so amazing. And as you can tell, we are like such fans of your work, not just because of the attention to detail, but like you mentioned earlier, like the philosophy behind your work. Mm -hmm. You actually recently had an independent TED talk called "A Journey with Flame" at TED in Heartland Hill, discussing the importance of building mm -hmm. more cohesive 
cohesive communities and to celebrate local innovation with respect for the past and an eye towards the future. Woodstock, with its history and conservationism and its reputation as one of the most beautiful small towns, is an ideal place to forge conversations about creating peaceful communities, innovation in business, farming, technology, and living a more sustainable life. How do your experiences, the glass blowing, and tours of your maple bush and sugar house honor this idea? Well, it all has to do with um, I'm, I'm an Aries, um, the beginning of oh, the zodiac sign and of course a, yes, a, a fire leos. sign um, yes so, we're leos i, I knew we it. liked you we're leos and leos and aries are fire, are fire, fire signs and we click <laughs> sorry continue yeah be, you know being a fire sign and realizing how important fire has been and has has mm -hmm. interwoven throughout my whole career uh it's really pulled everything together that i'm involved with so um, you know, glass blowing, of course, I'm, I'm in front of a, a 2300 degree furnace every day, uh, which is fire. And I love the heat. I love the, the glow that comes off of the fire um, with maple syrup production. Um, it involves fire. And so I can get a wonderful wood fire going under, uh, under my sap and make incredible maple syrup. Uh, and with the nonprofit that I helped start, um, got more than 12 years ago now, the West River Community Project, you know, we got together and um, they, they were going to kick out the local post office uh, in the building, the guy that owned it. And it was like, oh, we can't lose our local post office. And we went to the to the guy that owned the building at the time and said, you know, uh, can we take over the building and we'll pay the maintenance and insurance and um, really have a community center? And And he agreed. And it's like, okay, so what brings people together? Great food, arts, music, um, and fire. And so we built an outdoor cob oven in the backyard. Um, and every Friday night, summer, fall, winter, spring, mud season, you name it. Um, I'm, I'm behind the fire cooking um, wood fired pizza. And um, so the passion oh of the God. fire just yeah. sort of intertwines, mm -hmm. you know, through my through through my through my whole life. And it brings community together. Uh, it, it helps educate. I mean, fire can be destructive, yet also really positive. Um, and mm -hmm. the TED talk that I gave really sort of um, describes that journey with fire and um, from from, you know, a, a young kid growing up um, near my grandfather's farm and he was a maple sugar maker and created a huge fire out in the woods with a huge, you know, cast iron pot under it that made the maple syrup. So memories, um, both positive and, and, and negative, have really formed um, uh, a, a big aspect of my life. One of the recent fire tragedies that happened, which uh, something very positive came out of, our, bur our barn at the farm, built in about 1810, burnt down uh, a few years ago and uh, destroyed everything in it. And um, when, the, when the excavator came to start um, putting everything in the dumpster, my favorite shovel that I used every day was going in the dumpster. And I said, stop, that's my favorite shovel. You can't throw it away. And so... Um, started to collect all these, you know, antique tools and parts that were in the barn, brought them down to the glass studio and started to sort of make sculptures with them. And it was sort of my therapy. And so with my axes and hammers, I recreated glass handles. I polished the blades again. And so it was a memorial to the craftsman that whoever used that tool as a statement, um, you know, of, of beauty, of capturing a moment in time, 
um, and um, it's been it's been uh, very influential. So as as I said, it weaves throughout the throughout my career Absolutely. and uh, projects. I love that honestly, Me too. and disaster. I think it's so yeah. beautiful. Yes, yeah, no, of that's course. What I mean. You yeah. say it so beautifully, where it's just like something beautiful, and but at the same time, something horrible can happen, but something beautiful can come out of it. And I think yeah. that's the balance that you really like embody with the work that you do which I think is so incredible honestly no I know I really honestly I just admire your work in general like I feel like you have such a range of the things that you do from like you know the in science there's beauty with like your own personal and then there's obviously like a lot of other things that you have done in your entire career in general and I'm actually really excited because in Vermont you have this glassblowing experience for people and I would love for you to have the opportunity to tell us what should we be expecting from the glassblowing experience in your studio uh, it's hot as hell. <laughs> it's hot as hell. It's hot as hell. I, I, you mentioned that, fire. And you mentioned I was like, fire. Oh, so no, we got to no. expect it's going to be hot It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. <laughs> Us fellow Leos, we can take the I heat. I can take it. I can take, can it, take the heat. Um, what, you know, what I'm passionate about is sharing my passion. Mm. And yeah. really the class is set up to... Um, to pass that passion on to people. Glass is a magical mm -hmm. material to work with. Um, it's dangerous, um, it's satisfying. Glass has so many different forms and states from liquid to solid. Uh, it can smash, it can just you know, do whatever. And so really the, the whole purpose of the class, and I always wanted to be an educator. I mean, probably the reason why I, why I got my MFA was you know, if I wasn't a successful artist, I could always go back and teach on a college level which I didn't have to do, but realized how much I really love teaching. So usually the end of, uh, we blow three days a week at my studio in Townsend, Vermont, uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. And usually at the end of the day, uh, we usually do at least one or two classes with four people. And so it gives the opportunity um, for the students to gather glass, uh, have a selection of three different objects that they can make very successfully uh hands-on um and um and really share and pass that you know pass on that passion that i have uh and they're able to you know take home this object that um is is super meaningful and hopefully uh inspires them to change a career and become a glass artist <laughs> Yeah, you're converting us. Yeah, I'm nervous. nervous. That. I'm like, you know, I've been down this road for a long time. I may just make a turn, and here I am, glass blower now. I know. I mean, you're already convincing. I think the minute we started talking, I was like, should I change my career? <laughs> I love like, art. This is the moment. This, this is, is the, the moment, moment, guys. This is my aha moment. Yeah, this is my aha moment. <laughs> this is my aha moment. Honestly, that sounds. I'm really excited to experience it for ourselves yeah. since we will be in Vermont, and we obviously reached out to you in order to like, you know, maybe experience this, learn more about this. And yeah, I honestly think it's really interesting too that you even like just a testament to your amazing teachings as yeah. well as uh for anyone who watches the show on netflix oh, yeah. uh blown away i think it's so cool that your co-worker uh deborah she she, what? she what? Spoiler. spoiler first spoiler. of all there's three seasons so if you haven't seen the other two like that's on you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just to say but super cool that, but that's like, amazing yeah. and like that's just i think what you mentioned earlier about you know inspiring others to like share your passion with glass blowing i mean i even think the movement's happening that the fact that a netflix show called blown away it's even happened too yeah, like yeah. the craft is so beautiful and mm -hmm. like you mentioned there's this beautiful 
beautiful delicacy behind the end work of like glass blowing, mm-hmm. but the during the part of it, it's hot. It's ex- it's there's, extreme. Like there's something really incredible about the adrenaline process. pumping. Really, yes. I feel like being so close to fire would sort of kind of create that sort of you know like it's exhilarating. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, we're very excited. As you can I tell, I'm, I mean converted <laughs> as I'm speaking out yeah. loud, kind of absorbing every word. I'm oh, like, no. I really want a glass blow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually curious too, like. Because obviously with um, this, these classes, is there sort of like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, what outfit should I be wearing? Is it like tighter clothes? Like, you know, if it's going to be hot, like, do I need to wear like a, you know, a lighter jacket? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, those are what certain supplies things. are kind of given for people like us who would be new to something as glass Yeah. Blowing? Just no polyester because the heat will get oh, so hot noted. that the polyester will melt into your skin and you won't be able to take off your jumper. So. Uh, oh my God! No. Wool or cotton fibers, <laughs> just uh, we we stay okay. away from any, any plastics on the body. Um, oh, perfect! That but, that's but, good to know. Honestly, <laughs> we wear safe we oh wear safety God. glasses, which is really important. Oh, perfect! And um, okay. and that's something that um, um but really it's uh, closed show closed um, toe shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. other than that, um, we supply everything, and um, you know the experience okay. is about an hour, and um. Mm-hmm. I will demo all the pieces and then really assist. Um, you'll see. I'll, I'll assist you to make Ooh, an amazing creation. Yes. yes. Oh, I'm honestly so excited. I know. And for people who may be a bit intimidated by Glassblower, you have another experience. And yeah. you, we did mention it a little earlier, but you have an experience called Make Traditional Vermont Maple Syrup, which is about making delicious old school maple syrup from tree to table. What should we expect from your maple syrup experience at Taft Hill Farm? So, um, you know, another one of my big passions is, you know, working mm-hmm. and, and having a working farm um, where we have cows mm-hmm. and sheep and greenhouses and orchards and honeybees mm-hmm. and maple syrup. And um, <laughs> um, that's something that I did as a child with my grandfather. And um, when I purchased a farm in 1993, that was, you know, the, the realtor said, oh, come and look at the house. And it's like, no, I want to go see the forest. I want to see if there are maple trees. Were there ever, was there ever a sugar bush? She goes, mm-hmm. I don't know which tree is a maple tree. It was in the middle of the winter. When we looked up. <laughs> and it's like, don't worry, I'll find it. And, um, like, I'm good. Yeah. and there was a great, uh, there was a great um, maple bush there and had been tapped um, since 1775. One of the large trees in front of the farmhouse wow. had fallen down during Irene, the, the storm that came through mm-hmm. a few years ago. And I was able to yeah. cut uh, the tree in half when we're cutting it in half and you could see all the tap holes going in back to 1775 so it's like wow this is proof from a tree you know almost Mm -hmm. 300 years old um that people have been tapping the tree um that long so within the within the sugaring experience um we really start with the history of maple syrup with the indigenous americans Mm -hmm. and um, how they mm-hmm. how they taught things and uh, and did things and you know they had a sugar god that they 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 believed in and um, um, it's a great story about about that and then how advancements happened uh, throughout uh, throughout time um, us bringing you know metal and drill bits and things like that makes makes it a little bit easier for for, for production um, and then um, it you know, kind of stays the same for a, a couple hundred years um, until, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago when a lot new, a lot of new advancements came like reverse osmosis and um, vacuum suctioning and 
those are things I will talk about that I'm not totally fond of. I think it changes the flavor of the syrup um, instead of just gravity feeding or, or, or working with buckets. Um, you know, with reverse osmosis, you take, you know, you could take up to 80% of the water out, but the water also has the minerals that give the maple syrup such a spectacular flavor and that just gets flushed back mm -hmm. into the ground. So um, we'll, we'll do uh, taste test comparisons um, and go through, you know, you've heard of different grades, grade A, grade B, grade mm -hmm. C. Um, there's a whole new grading system now we'll go through and, and, and describe that. Um, we'll watch the whole boiling process. We'll, we'll drill a tree, um, watch the sap come out if it's running that particular day. Um, and really just, just be in this warm and cozy shack with steep, filled with steam and, um, and the wonderful scent of maple syrup. Uh, and then we top it off with doing um, either sugar on snow or making these amazing mm -hmm. maple lollipops um, that you can oh. take away with you. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a wonderful way to spend an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Usually I do the, the sugaring experiences uh, every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that sounds absolutely oh lovely. I'm not gonna lie, that lollipop. I was like, I'm kind of salivating. <laughs> we have sweet. We have. Really, I have a sweet tooth. I have. We have really big sweet tooth. When you said lollipop, I was like, oh, <laughs> I couldn't even there like hold go. the buzzwords coming up. <laughs> Buzzword. I was like, wow. I was like, I'm really excited. I that know. sounds amazing. And something I actually think that is really cool about this maple experience, or just in general with the maple that you do yeah. produce. Just a little, I want to give you a shout out on this, is that obviously combining your love for glass blowing, yeah. I love the idea, or I love that you actually create the glass bottles for the maple syrup. Is that correct? Yeah. So, you know, the labor that goes into um, making mm -hmm. maple syrup, people don't really understand it. If you think of a, yeah. a, a garbage can that's 40 gallons, garbage can, if you fill that with sap, and you boil it down, you only get one gallon of maple syrup. So it's a 40 to one proportion. So you're, send, you're, you're spending a lot of time in the sugar shack, boiling it down, reducing it to maple <laughs> syrup, um, which, yeah. which, which, which is kind of amazing. And so, you know, when I sell a bottle of maple syrup, uh, if you looked at, you know, cost of labor, if, if I were, was paid for my job, which as farmers usually aren't, um, you know, a bottle of maple <laughs> syrup should be $100 a bottle, you know, to yeah. really make it, uh, to really make it, especially artisanal maple syrup that's done in small batch. Mm -hmm. uh, sap mm -hmm. is boiled as soon as it comes out of the tree and doesn't sit in holding tanks. Mm -hmm. um, and so my idea yeah. was, you know, well, let's really make this a special product. So mm -hmm. the hand-blown bottle um, um, with a beautiful maple leaf seal on it, um, mm -hmm. which is a keepsake forever. Um, you know, we, yes. we, we, we sell during the experiences and, uh, it makes it makes it very special and worthwhile and um, um, and cost effective if you want to say I mean it, it 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 allows the farm to become a little bit more sustainable um, than trying to compete with the huge producers and the Canadian producers that are doing reverse osmosis and you know they they they're, one great thing about that is the energy consumption is down um, but we um, do this process called coppice cutting with our trees. So we're, um, we're not killing a tree to get the wood out of it. So we're cutting only in February and March. And then in the spring, a new tree will grow out of it. And then seven years later, we'll cut that again. So it's not like we're using their root system to be able to regrow a tree and it'll actually grow uh, quite a bit faster than if you try to plant a tree and, and you know, it would take 12 or 13 years to grow. Um, 
to get the same size. So um, we're trying to be, you know, ecological and conscious about the environment. And um, mm -hmm. um, so, and, and that's really important to us also. So again, it's, it's a bit of science because I love science. Uh, it's, it's a bit of art. And of course, it's, yes. it's the most wonderful thing to taste that you've ever, ever, ever tasted. So oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm yes. so excited. Yes. I mean, for someone, because we're really excited, because this is actually going to be our first time going to Vermont. And we've yeah. heard so many amazing things. But for someone who doesn't, you know, ski or snowboard, the a typical, yeah. you know, snow activities, I love that you have these excursions that still really honor what Vermont is really all about. Yeah. So, with the maple and even the uniqueness of glass blowing, which is still actually a huge community. Yeah, to be totally honest. When we're looking into it, there's so many amazing artists like yourself who do such great things for their community. Mm -hmm. And I love that a lot of the projects that you have done since day one in your career really honors what you mentioned earlier really making sure that the environment is like mm -hmm. okay your sustainability is something that's super important with each project that you yeah. do so i understand when you say that each bottle should be a hundred dollars absolutely like, you're, you're talking artist here i was like every anytime i see something being done i'm like always the blown craftsmanship away. the craftsmanship is, is amazing in its own like it is art in it its is own beautiful. league it's its own league and i think it's amazing the things that you do and and I love that you also are sharing your passions and these amazing teaching experiences mm -hmm. that people get to understand what really goes behind what people do for glass blowing, but also for maple syrup. Like yeah. you mentioned, a lot of people don't know. So this is a really nice insight for people like mm -hmm. ourselves who are visiting an amazing community that is like somewhat known for these things. Yeah. But to really understand what goes behind all of this. And yeah. it's incredible that you, what the things that you do. Yeah. And we just want to, we love to just give the opportunity for our guests to share what they're up to and where people can find these experiences to book. So the floor is yours, Robert, <laughs> <laughs> to tell everyone what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the you know i usually book through airbnb experiences so if you go into the mm -hmm. experience page and put in townsend um uh, mm -hmm. our experiences should come up so um it, it includes the glass blowing experience and maple sugaring experience we also do um not throughout the winter but we'll do a wood-fired pizza making experience too where you, where you'll learn you'll learn how to of course work with flame and make wonderful things yes. to eat um so that's sort of the the, the trifecta of both um, and we also have uh, two Airbnb apartments on the farm, uh, which mm -hmm. we sort of promote agritourism. So we're really um, interested in giving um, the guests a farm tour and I can mm. preach to them about how important organic agriculture is and sustainability. So, um, you know, both mm. the farm and my glass studio is run off of solar panels. So um, it's it's really being passionate about the environment and, and and keeping it the way it was. You know, Vermont has been a very special place for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. And what I love about it is, you know, there are regulations that keep billboards at bay. Um, mm -hmm. You come here and, and it's like, God, it feels so wonderful. What is so different about it? And it's some of those things that, that um, you know, you go off, you, you go to the border in New Hampshire and then, you know, there's one sign after another sign. It's just, um, <laughs> Many, many of the villages through Vermont have buried their telephone lines. So you don't see a ton of telephone poles. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's really a life, you know, style that's, that's, you know, appears to be 250 years old, you know, you, you, it's the same yeah. streets, the same old, old farms and buildings. So it's really kept that rural, rural character uh, that makes, mm -hmm. you know, I think Vermont a really special place um, to be. So. Um, yeah, and um, there's uh, there's more information on my website, either taptillfarm.com 
audugrenier.com, um, which is more my artistic site, or um, westtownsend.com, which is the nonprofit. Um, so through all of those, you can you can find um, um, one of the experiences and get updates on what's happening in the community and 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 um, the environment around us in Southern Vermont. Uh, amazing. amazing amazing i'm gonna give a clap for that i loved Yay. it <laughs> we'll be linking all of your information yeah. on our website thevogeltwins.com so for anyone who wants to check out and experience these amazing things when they go to uh, vermont, vermont they can check it out and book with robert tell him that you saw us through the vogel twins <laughs> give us a little shout out a fellow leo to aries <laughs> but thank you so much robert for being here today and just sharing your excursion with us we're so excited to experience it for ourselves and to share it with our audience yeah well i thank you honored to speak with you guys and i love your passion and what you do and can't wait oh, to you. uh teach you and, and share some of my passion <laughs> yes. with you.